Uh, Come so, on, Dave Filoni. Save us. You're our only hope. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Always Two. There are a Star Wars discussion podcast. I'm Josiah here with my co-host Stephen. Hey guys, how's it going? This week, our topic is how to fix Star Wars. Uh, Stephen has been preparing a long time. It's been a while. I brought this up to you a couple, like what month, month and a half ago. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. You wanted to you wanted to talk about it then and there, but then you're like, oh wait, save it for the podcast. Well, because. We don't say save it for the podcast a lot, but for this topic specifically, because it was a like something you had like planned out and outlined, I thought it would be a good one to save for the podcast because it was a, like a, a structured discussion that we could go through. Yeah, um, this is something I've thought about for years now. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I was. I want to ask you what you, what do you think? Because I, I know we've talked about it in the past, just kind of on and off. But like, what do you really think? Or what are you, what are your biggest issues with Star Wars? I I don't. It didn't start until the the sequel trilogy, right? Because I grew up with the prequel trilogy and I loved them. I had no problems with them. Yeah, I didn't either. And I I would hear people talk of like people that were mainly into the original trilogy would talk about the prequel trilogy and how terrible it was, and I was like, I I don't understand what you're talking about, like. I love these movies. They're great. I see no problem with them. Then I got a little bit older. I learned a little bit about like what makes a good film and what good acting and writing is. And I was like, okay, these the prequels have their problems as films, but as Star Wars movies, they are solid. And then we got to the sequel trilogy. That's when things started to break down. And Force Awakens was great. I One of my biggest problems it's a it's honestly a pretty small thing one of my biggest problems is that finn was not a jedi in the sequel trilogy because that first teaser that they released for the force awakens they start out with i can't remember i think it's snoke who's talking and he's talking about like there's something like rising in the force or whatever and then you see finn in his stormtrooper outfit on jakku like the like the breathing heavy it was like that the like this was way back in 2014. Was that the first, the very the first trailer? First tra- the, the one first where trailer. it was like five seconds and it was just Kylo and the his lightsaber? No, this was this was the first like trailer that we got. Oh, okay, because their very first teaser was just Kylo in the snowfield with his lightsaber and he did like the little stomp <laughs> yeah, as he ignited it. And then every, <laughs> that's when everyone blew up. Yeah. Anyway, so they that first trailer was so obviously setting up for... Finn to be a Jedi. And I was so mad in that first movie when Finn wasn't the Jedi and Rey was. I was so mad to see that Finn was not a Jedi just because I loved the idea of a stormtrooper not just turned rebel, but a stormtrooper turned Jedi. Like, just that idea. That would have been a cool character arc. Exactly. That idea sounds so great. It's like, that's where it started. And then it kind of went downhill from there. And that was really my only problem with The Force Awakens. I had no problem with Kylo Ren's lightsaber because I understood once I had seen the movie and I understood why he had the like cross guard because everyone was freaking out about the cross guard. Even Ewan McGregor got on Twitter as like someone who knows how to wield a lightsaber doesn't need a cross guard. And I was like, <laughs> whoa, 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 they're literally like exhaust ports. 
because his his kyber crystal is unstable and all of that. That's why his his blade is wavy. It's why it sounds the way it does. And so, like, I had no problem with his lightsaber. Yeah, uh, I didn't really have a problem with his lightsaber either. I thought it was an interesting design visually. Yeah. Um, I mean, so was Ventress or Dooku's or yeah, anyone's like the, the really. curved hilts. The, it was all there's in in innovating. I think on the design of a lightsaber to an extent is fine. I don't really have a problem with it. To an extent. To an extent. Throwback to when we talked about uh, the, those modular the, the Disney toys. modular toy lightsabers. Oh god, those yes. Oh wait, that was in the that was in the unreleased episode. <laughs> Whoopsie Daisy. I thought we weren't talking about that episode. Well, uh, we weren't. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I didn't really have any problems at all with with the Force Awakens. And you, you, so you mentioned, like, the idea of Finn being a stormtrooper-turned-Jedi. Yeah. So they did it before with Kyle Katarn. He starts out as a stormtrooper who defects to the Rebellion, and then eventually he becomes a Jedi throughout the, this, okay. the so this Dark is Forces me, series. This is me showing my, my ineptitude in the, <laughs> the Star Wars uh, extended Don't, don't universe. worry, I'll get you to play all the games. If, I can, if there's any way for me to play Dark Forces... You will be as learned... It's on Steam. I don't have a way to play Steam. Can a MacBook run Steam? We'll see. Anyway, continue. I didn't have any problems with Force Awakens until... Until... Episode 8. Episode 8. essentially... The Last Jedi, the most infamous Star Wars movie. Have you ever heard or have you ever seen... I don't know if it was like a TED Talk or if it was something else. But it's like a... 10 to 20 minute lecture speech given by J.J. Abrams where he talks about his his quote-unquote mystery box. No. So he has a film device that he calls the mystery box. It's basically throughout the film, you'll raise a question and then you won't answer it. You've told me about this, I think, I believe, in a previous conversation, but continue. Possibly. But anyways... So essentially, like in Star Wars, one of JJ's mystery boxes was who are Ray's parents? And then he never answers them. And the idea is essentially that throughout the trilogy, these will get answered. And so, as a first installment in a trilogy, because generally you don't want to have questions unanswered by the end of a movie, otherwise, it's not written well. But in a trilogy, okay, I was about to say, I was about to say, you like, can leave them unanswered because movie two, movie three exactly, can come yeah. in and answer them later because it's movie one's not a complete story yeah, unto yeah, yeah. itself. It, it is, but it isn't. Mm-hmm. The larger story is still being told. It's part one, two, three. Yes, of part A. <laughs> yes. So, but movies eight and nine never really answered the question. Ugh. There were so many things and. That's part of the reason why episode nine is so discombobulated. It's because yeah, episode J. J. Abrams is going back. Episode eight didn't really answer any of the mystery boxes or kind of lead them on. Yeah, it either tried to just get rid of them entirely, yeah. or it tried to subvert them or whatever. Yeah. So episode nine spent a lot of time trying to answer things that were unanswered, and they weren't answered very well so what you end up with is episode seven 
pre-episode eight and nine is great. Mm. Then in hindsight, it's horrendous. I used to watch episode seven somewhat regularly with the rest of the Star Wars films until episode eight came out, and I haven't seen it since. I have a feeling because we're gonna talk about we we, we we're gonna talk about the Last Jedi in just a second. I have a feeling that when I revisit it, I'm going to be a lot softer on it than I am right now. Why do you say that? Because it's just the way I am with most most movies. I'm easier on the second or third time around. And I've only seen Last Jedi three, four times, which sounds like a lot, but it's Star Wars. And I've seen most of them like 10 or more. So I've seen but it yeah. once. So we will we will cover The Last Jedi in depth on a later episode. But right now, just to quick few minutes what is wrong with the last jedi oof uh well there <laughs> there's a, a a youtuber who does kind of reviews and critiques of films and stuff he did a three-part total six hours six and a half hours on last jedi and that six hours is way better than the movie <laughs> <laughs> i think you've told me about this too and and he he broke down that movie scene by scene, essentially. And in some cases, frame by frame. Oh, yeah. And it's just like, there is so much wrong with that movie, and there is so much that is inconsistent yep. with the lore of with, Star with Wars. Star Wars. Like, it went so off base. It, it, it completely destroys the movie, at least for me. So I, I actually cannot go back and watch it because so I'm just, everything is a flaw. I'm gonna break it to you. I'm gonna require you to rewatch the movies as we cover them. No, so, so I've already started to mentally prepare myself for okay, that. Okay, good, good, good. <laughs> I was about to say you can't let our listeners down like that, Steven. No, no, no. I've already started to mentally prepare myself for having to go back and rewatch episode eight and nine. You gotta, you gotta oof. go in with with open eyes, okay, and be an open mind and just I don't know ready. if that's possible this is valid <laughs> <laughs> the bias and the okay, so is like, already there it it was little things it was really little things like how when the first order was shooting at the republic uh cruiser the lasers were arcing in space yeah we've never seen it before in star wars i've never seen that in any sci-fi I, I'm probably wrong there, but like that's just like there's no sense for it. It makes it looks more like mortar shots, but the whole point of Star Wars is that it's not realistic. And yeah, and then you had just the way like the the plot was handled with the whole Poe Dameron and Haldo and all of that, and like the entire conflict of the movie could have been prevented with like. Hey Poe, here's the plan. And Poe would have been like, "That's a great plan. Let's do that." And there's the entire conflict. Uh, Finn and Rose never go to. I can't even remember what the planet. Canto uh, bite. Canto oh, bite. God. Granted, we would have never met uh, Benicio del Toro's character. Not that we needed to, but <laughs> agree. He wasn't even the one they were there to find. Exactly. Exactly. Like we would have never. We would have never met the broom Jedi kid. You know, as important as he was to the Star Wars universe. We never actually met him. Yeah. We just saw him yeah. at the end of the movie, which is... That could have happened anyways, and it would have anyway, made no difference. Anyway, like, we never... Basically, The Last Jedi didn't need to happen. 
Uh, true. Now, then there was deeper stuff. Like when when Luke goes on a rant about the Force, and Ryan Johnson basically rewrites the rules of the Force as we know them. And I'm going to let you explain this because I know for a fact that you have a, a better grasp on it than I do. But like when when Luke basically reinvents the Force from the ground up, and we're all like, "What? what? This isn't how it's." ever been like anyway go yeah for it. so okay right now my dad and i are uh we just watched the episode in season six where yoda goes to dagobah yeah. and yeah 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 goes into oh, the dark side man. cave and is talking with qui-gon's voice yes uh and qui-gon tells him go to let the force guide you to one of the sources of all life and thus uh the living force in the galaxy and so through this, we kind of get an origin story for the Force itself. Mm-hmm. And this would be canon because it is the TV show. And yeah. Disney kept that as canon when yeah. they took over. Uh, so essentially, you have the midichlorians. You have the Force. The midichlorians allow every living thing, because they are present in every living thing, mm-hmm. to be able to essentially be connected to the living Force. Yeah. The midichlorians and almost all of life comes from like just a handful of places in the galaxy. And this is one of them that Yoda is trying to go to. So the concentration of your midichlorian count, as we, you know, in episode one, Mm -hmm. when he takes Anakin's uh, blood sample. (laughs) Essentially, I can't remember where I read it. It might have just been the Wikipedia page on midichlorians. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there's like... If you're under a certain amount of, like, your midichlorian count, then you are just, you're like your average citizen in the galaxy. You're not Force-sensitive. Mm-hmm. You're, you'll never be a Jedi, whatever. Then if you're, like, just above that amount, and I think that amount is a couple thousand would be your quote-unquote midichlorian count. Mm-hmm. It's like three, four, maybe five thousand, something like that. Then, if you're just above this, you're a force sensitive, but not like a force adept the, the way a Jedi or Sith would be. Mm. You are just you are sensitive enough to the force that you can kind of sense it. Would you would you say that Maz would be an example of someone who is force sensitive? I think not so. Force adept. Yeah, I think so. I I would say Maz is in this category, uh, and I think most people in the galaxy sit around a couple hundred to just over a thousand midichlorians. Um, and I think that's per cell. I and think the numbers aren't entirely important. To I don't our, know. To this uh, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We're not that deep in the yeah. war, <laughs> but then you have like seven, 8,000 be your midichlorian count to like 10,000. Mm-hmm. And that's when, you are sensitive enough to the force that you could actually start manipulating it and you can actually start to control the force. And that's when, if you're a baby, that's when the Jedi would show up and be like, your baby is a force sensitive, quote unquote. Yeah. We want to induct them in the order. Uh, Or, you know, a a bad guy might show up and be like, I'm taking your baby (laughs) and uh, I'm going to raise him to be an evil, (laughs) an evil person. Uh, So, 
And then you get like Yoda, Anakin, and Palpatine, who are all like 18, 19, 20,000. Uh, and that's like extremely powerful off the charts. Like, yeah. ex- extremely rare to find someone with that high of a count. Um, so. I wonder. I'm now curious what Starkiller's Metachlorian count would be. It'd probably be up because. Because he I is think, a wildly powerful force user. I think he is on par with Palpatine. I think he's supposed to be uh, on par with Palpatine, just a slightly weaker in in his force strength. Uh, and that's and that's entirely because he doesn't know how to use it. Because it, it like the whole point of the game is that as he learns how to use the force from from Coda, like he becomes exponentially oh god those games are amazing anyway <laughs> yeah i think unleashed yeah i would say he's up there too yeah. it, probably 17 to twenty thousand somewhere in there like what about like the balance piece of it um because i know that's a big thing that luke goes into that really threw a lot of people off okay so <laughs> the balance of the force this one's interesting because a lot of people talk about numerical balance uh which was mentioned in the uh the star kid play that you didn't find overly funny where you had a they talk about a bunch of jedi are killed by two sith and then two jedi remain that that's the balance and i personally tend to disagree with this um i would even say George Lucas's his opinion on the balance of the force is that when there are dark side users the force is out of balance and that a force that is balanced is a force of essentially only the light side the dark side is what takes it out of balance mm-hmm. um so when people start talking about you know, oh, there are two Sith, so there need to be two Jedi, and that's Luke and Leia. Then I I, I tend to not agree with it. Uh, well, because so the, the whole point of the where we get a lot of the interesting uh, storytelling with gray Jedi comes from the fact that the balance is supposed to be in the light's favor, because then that's when the gray Jedi are questionable. Otherwise. The Grey Jedi is just an ideal Force user, which I don't think would be true. Yes, from the, from the perspective of either side of the Force. I'll try not to comment on the Grey Jedi too much. Why? Because you've only just finished Dantooine and Coder. I don't want to cover the Grey Jedi too much because I don't want to spoil a character for you at Coder. See, my take has always been. It has to do with your intention. Because there's Quinlan Voss, who's a Jedi, and he's the only, I think, during the Clone War era, he's the only Jedi known to use Force Lightning. Which I think is something that only happens in the comics, maybe in, in a novel. But he only uses, but he uses Force Lightning. But in, to me, that, that comes off as kind of like a, a how you use it, why you use it. Because... Even the best of people get angry, and while anger 
as Yoda say, is a path to the dark side. I would really argue that it's only a path if you don't know how to deal with it. If it's if it's the kind of anger that would make someone go like, oh, you need anger management, dude. Well, it's also the question of like righteous anger. Yeah. So like there are... Because there's plenty of times in Clone Wars when, when uh, Obi-Wan is fighting Maul and he clearly is angry. Well, I mean, it's it's the it's the conversation of was Anakin right to be mad or angry when his mother was killed by Tusken Raiders? Yes. A hundred percent, yes. Was he right to slaughter all of them, the women and children too? Absolutely no. <laughs> not. No. Like no. Right? right. So there's a there's a balance. You're gonna hear that word a lot on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. So when when it comes to like the balance of the force, this is something that just I don't know the, the sequels didn't really handle very well. Yeah. Because so this, is, this is where we go into how like Luke covered in the Last Jedi what the force is. Right. Because they, they they invented the dyad in the Force, which was weird, because in Episode Eight. It was just a force connection Mm -hmm. between Kylo and Rey that Snoke created to try and manipulate Rey. Now, now I don't think I have a problem with the concept of a dyad in the force. Um, I don't either. If it's it's like the the force creates a strong light and strong dark side user at the same time. I don't have a problem with that. What what, What I have a problem with is the concept that... A perfect force is balanced between light and dark, either in everyone's a gray Jedi, or I guess gray Sith, depending on how you look at it, <laughs> or there are a multitude of light and dark users in this constant war. I, I think it's more of a, a moral question. Yeah. Because it's, is there, how much is the force throughout the galaxy being used for evil? And how much is it being used for good? Or possibly not even that so much as it's... When it's used for evil, how much does it affect the galaxy? Because if it affects the galaxy, then it affects the living force. If it's something that's causing a lot of war, and a lot of people are dying, then that's affecting the living force. So, because when you think about it, like, the the Night Sisters of Dathomir, they're dark side using organization and they've never been uh a problem in the sense of throwing the force out of balance um it's it's the concept of and there have always been dark jedi which are not quite the same as sith it is it's the it's the concept of uh light is not necessarily good and dark is not necessarily bad there are there are aspects of good and evil in light and dark Yes. Right, and that is that's like a huge and what's like, philosophy concept that we don't have to get into. But right, and what was what's interesting? I think a good example of what you're talking about there would be the uh, the Bendu when he gets real upset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the Empire coming into the planet, uh, I forget what the planet's called. Where wherever the rebels are hiding out, it's it's and he it's be- Hopper Base. I can't remember the. He becomes the very angry giant storm in the sky, and like yeah. 
he just wrecks shop with the just smiting empire fools left and right. Yeah, it's like the empire <laughs> tries to send a frigate to atmosphere, and the the Bendu is just like, uh, no. Yeah, but then they just shoot him down, and it's like, well, that ended quickly. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that would be an example of him kind of embracing the darker side. Yeah, but not. But it's more of that kind of righteous anger that you t- yeah, yeah, that yeah. you mentioned. So, so how does, uh, how does Luke describe the Force in Episode Eight, and how does that differ from the way that we've described it so far? Not gonna lie, dude, I don't remember quite how he described it in Episode okay. Eight. Okay, um, it's been a long time since I watched that movie. So so I think we may just leave this conversation, <laughs> sadly, with... Uh, I, I know for a fact, because he describes it as... Um, when he is like teaching Rey how to connect to the Force and how to like, meditate in the Force, he's showing her... Um, like uh, The Force is life and death. The Force is... Uh, is like order and chaos. The forces. It's all of these these opposites, right? And like he's he's explaining it as I can't I can't remember how he words it. There is something wrong he with does, the way Luke. I do it. remember he does describe the force in a very binary. Yeah, uh, which is it, it's very jarring because if you know anything about Luke in the EU, like post Battle of Endor, yeah, Luke he's gray. He, it's not that he's gray so much that he he recognized the failings of the Jedi, which was they denied attachment. They denied all the positive emotions. And they Ooh. became too detached from the world. They became too embroiled in politics and all that kind of stuff. So post-Battle of Endor EU, Luke, he got married and had kids. He encouraged the the new Jedi in his uh, his reconstituted Jedi Order. He encouraged them to form attachments, have relationships, uh, express themselves, etc. See, this is where this is where I have a little bit of a problem with Luke in the Book of Boba Fett because. Like he makes Grogu choose, right? Be trained as a Jedi, or it was a very disheartening like, moment I, he, for me. He, choo- he makes a child choose between the closest thing this child has ever known as a father and being trained as a Jedi. Now, granted, are we all upset that Grogu is not wielding a Yoda's lightsaber? lightsaber. Yoda's yes. lightsaber specifically. Yes, of course <laughs> we are. I I was so hoping that Grogu would show up with both. Me too. Like he I, would have the lightsaber. I was and, hoping he would show like, up with both. And like, I would be okay if he like killed Luke and just took him. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like he just, he made this child choose between his, his father and the Jedi. And that doesn't track with, now granted, the EU is decanonized at this point, And I think Disney is trying their best to salvage from what they've got. A, like I think a, Filoni and Favreau are trying their best yeah, to salvage. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Not Disney. <laughs> right, right. But Yeah, I think I I really don't like the way that Luke was portrayed in Book of Boba Fett cuz he's he's just repeating the mistakes that the Jedi yeah. made. And that's what's so like unfortunate about that part of Boba Fett is because 
EU Luke recognized the mistake because he saw that it was attachment and love that caused Anakin to fall to the dark side because Anakin had no other recourse. He had to keep it a secret. He had to keep it bottled up. So when push came to shove and he had like, how do I save Padme? He had to choose. He had to choose and he, he couldn't be open about what he was choosing, why he was choosing which ultimately led to the death of Mace Windu. See, and I think the uh, the supposed death of Mace Windu. Supposed, in quotation, big oh, yeah, quotations. Yeah, yeah. Um, see, and I think, see, I can see where Luke is coming from in, in Boba Fett because what he's basically doing is he's trying to get ahead of that. He's basically making Grogu choose now between Mando and Jedi so that it doesn't, become a problem later well, see that's the thing that's why in the eu luke allowed attachments because he saw that it was attachment that got vader back to the light yeah it was vader's attachment to his family and really like, this is my son this is what i always wanted it's right here and the emperor's about to destroy that so that brought anakin back to the light so luke so eu luke was like no attachments important it's it's the forbidding of it and it's the repressing of it that's dangerous. And while the attachments themselves can be dangerous because, you know, the whole concept of, like, crimes of passion. Yeah, but, I, think, I think that would get into, like, healthy and toxic attachments and et cetera. Like, yeah, but that's something that everyone deals with. Yeah. Whether they have the force or not. So, it, but when you want to have those attachments... And you can't, or you do have that attachment, but you're not supposed to, so you hide it. That's just as, if not more toxic than having a just a toxic relationship. So this is why Luke in the EU was the gray Jedi, mm-hmm. or the quote-unquote gray Jedi. Uh, it, why he didn't rebuild the Jedi as they used to be. Yeah. Because he's like... They got wiped out because of these mistakes they made. So when I rebuild the Jedi, I'm going to do it and I'm going to learn from those mistakes. But it looks like Boba Fett, Luke, is not learning from those mistakes and he's going to be repeating them. Yeah. Um, uh, which really bums me out because I had, you know, I've, I've told you about the, 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 the theory about how Filoni saves Ahsoka and it creates an alternate timeline. Yes, yes, yes. So and now that you've seen all of Rebels, you can actually they explain in right in detail. So, and this is actually one of the like how to fix Star Wars. Well, in that case, save it for the next. Give it like twenty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think I don't know where they're where they were trying to go in the Last Jedi because. We saw that entire situation when, when Luke, like almost killed uh, Kylo and all of that. We saw it from multiple, we saw it multiple times, from dis- different perspectives, and it was different each time, right? But I'm curious where, like where Luke was at in that uh, journey, because. I think we can confidently say now that in Disney canon, Luke never got married, which yeah, I was hoping was not true. I was hoping that like 
like the the what looks like a grave on Octo when we first see Luke at the end of The Force Awakens, I was hoping was Mara Jade's grave. Right. But it turned out to just be like a pile of rocks and didn't actually mean anything. Yep. Um and so I think that really that really shows that like Disney is is leaning into that whole Luke is basically just doing what the Jedi did again, right? And building that and like that that is likely where like where it all went wrong, right? Which I think is if they play into it correctly could be great. If they play into it correctly because then they can they can play into the whole he's just repeating the mistakes of the past. See, I actually thought like I, I at first when he gave Grogu the option Mando or lightsaber in the Jedi. Yeah. I thought, okay, he's making the same mistakes that the Jedi made that led to their destruction. Mm-hmm. Or at least the mistakes that led to Anakin's fall, which allowed their destruction. Yeah. So it's like, okay, maybe Grogu, because he's Grogu, and we've seen Grogu now on screen for two seasons plus this episode. Grogu is definitely the eat the fish lady's egg. No, don't do that. Looks you straight in the eyes <laughs> as he eats a second one. <laughs> God, I love Grogu. I Takes the stick shift off three. the spaceship. <laughs> it's like, no, don't do that. I need that to drive. And he's like, I'm taking it anyway. And then turns on the... He hits a button. I can't remember what it does in the show. <laughs> All I remember are the memes of it. Yes. On, of like, it turns on the radio. <laughs> and it's like, living on a prey. And it turns off. And then... He like looks him right in the eyes and hits it again. And, oh yeah. my god, yo, Grogu's so great. I, I love not... Grogu. So, so, so what... I was expecting Grogu to just look Luke dead in the eyes and just be like, and take both. Both. <laughs> and I was expecting, even if we didn't see that necessary, I was expecting Grogu to show up with Mando or you know to Mando on Tatooine, wearing. The Beskar vest mm-hmm. with Yoda's lightsaber, and then at some point later on, we would see that interaction between Grogu and Luke, and Luke learning the lesson and being reminded, like, what I try to do to Grogu is the mistakes the Jedi made. All right, thanks for listening to this episode. Next time, we're gonna get into Disney's very bad attempt at reimagining the dark empire trilogy but steven what's the dark empire trilogy it's the trilogy where palpatine returns (gasps) but this time we know how he does it beyond (laughs) whatever his line is i can't remember i think i'm pretty sure it was poe he said something all i remember it was it was was pretty rough yeah palpatine though quotes himself from episode three to explain to kylo when kylo's like how is it possible? <laughs> Something about the, the dark side is... The, is a path to many <laughs> abilities most would deem yeah. unnatural. <laughs> I should have done that in my Palpatine voice. <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening, y'all. We will catch you next episode. Alrighty, see ya.